0: It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show.
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com coming to you on a Monday, February 17th. Uh, halfway through February uh, right here from COG Studios. A busy week for the LA Galaxy as they get ready for their last public preseason game. There sounds like there's going to be a closed door scrimmage on Wednesday as well. Um, so a real busy sort of week as everything gets finalized here. We have rumor updates for you. We're going to talk about the scrimmage. The uh, Galaxy losing 2-1 to to Toronto FC. We have that as well. So we have a lot of stuff to get to. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, And we're obviously very glad you could join us on uh, what is increasingly becoming a very, very short amount of time for the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, Helping me out on all this, uh, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy?
2: Hey, I could hear the music that
1: time. See, I tell you, we we try to fix things every every single week. We try to get just a little bit better, right? Just like the Galaxy, we have to try to get a little better.
2: I would have a hard time dancing
1: to that. Yeah, well, you would have a hard time dancing to anything. Yeah, I would. That's so right. That's that's fine. But Kev, I know it's been a busy week. I know it's been a busy week for you. Um, I know it's been a busy week for a lot of the uh, reporters who are covering it. And obviously the fans, they get out to uh, Dignity Health Sports Park and actually get to watch a game. Um, they get to watch the Galaxy lose two to one. But I, I know you were traveling as well. You were all over the place, weren't you?
2: Yeah, I went up to San Jose on Wednesday and had a chance to spend part of the day with Megan Rapino, which was kind of fun and then flew from San Jose to San Diego where I spent two days with Landon Donovan and his new team the San Diego Loyal the USL team that he's going to be coaching this year um, and met almost the entire roster a lot of players and it, it was really funny because you see people that you saw in other places that I didn't even realize they were there like Raul Mendiola was one who came up to me and we talked for a little while i didn't even know that he was in san diego i mean a lot of these signings are still happening especially around usl you know guys wait to see if they're going to be picked up by an mls team and and by this by this point they know if they are or not so they start going to usl teams and teams like san diego loyal are signing people all the time but another guy that i that i talked to down there who was somebody that i knew from years ago carlos alvarez and if that name sounds familiar, he was a high school star here in L.A., played at Salesian High School and then went to Connecticut and was drafted with the number two pick in the MLS draft in 2013. He was taken by by Chivas USA and was given a four-year contract. And the, the reason I remember all this is I went to his house in East Los Angeles and met with him and his dad after he was drafted. Uh, and I met his little kid brother who was in grade school at the time. And I remember Carlos telling me that he and his little kid brother were coached by their dad, and uh, you know, learned all their, everything they knew about soccer from their dad. And when I was talking to Carlos over uh, last week, he he asked me about his kid brother. You know what? That was Efraín Alvarez. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, it was one of those small world moments, right?
2: Well, and it goes on from there. I mean, um, uh, you know, Carlos had his career was was really pretty much destroyed by by uh you know the the collapse of chivas he he had a four-year contract he was traded to colorado because chivas was going to fold and the league did not want to pay a salary he didn't fit in there he's been bouncing around ever since um but you talk about small world he married a woman renee cuellar who is a star with the cholos femenil of uh in, in Liga mx and also is a stud with the um Mexican woman's national team she went to Los Altos high school which is the rival school of where I went to school uh, out in Hacienda Heights um, so there's another kind of small world thing I mean all I, like I said I did this story on Carlos obviously I did not research it very well because uh, it seems like I missed a lot of stuff
1: yeah it, it was it was one of those it's, it's interesting and Landon Donovan obviously starting that team uh, down in San Diego so all that is is you were telling me something about his ownership too right there's he's one of uh, three owners
2: Right. One of three owners, but uh, only one owner really put in any substantial uh, capital into this. And one of the owners put in reportedly around $10 million. Landon is a part owner but he is also coach and general manager and I, I, I think probably the ownership stake was one of the things that helped draw him into the team and and then they have another owner who came down from who worked with Port, uh, sacramento republic and portland timbers before yeah. and he came down he put in several hundred thousand dollars but nothing close to 10 million um it looks like it's going to be a good team though that the the, the community down there is very excited about it i i really had to ask Landon some what i thought were some tough questions though you know he came he retired with the galaxy then he came back from retirement then he retired again and said he wasn't going to play again then he wound up in leon and he didn't play there then he came back and he played indoor for the san diego soccers and now he's a coach and so my questions to him were why should we believe that this is what you're really going to do you're going to be here four or five or six months, and then you're going to move on to something else, just like you did with the Galaxy, just like you did with Leon, just like you did with the Soccers. And he said, no, the fact that he's a father now, uh, it's changed the way that, that he views things. He said he has this new, uh, he's really enjoying the idea of nurturing players and bringing them along. He has a lot more patience. And he, in his words, he said, I found a new vocation, something I'm really excited about. And he said, I haven't been excited about, as excited about something since he first started playing soccer professionally at 15 so we'll see how long he lasts all the players love his attitude um he has a woman assistant coach which is a real rarity and I asked him why he whether that was part of you know the deal to get attention for the team or 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 what that was and he said no I interviewed a lot of people and she was the most uh you know she was the most qualified person for the job she's a soccer coach first and she just happens to be a woman so um a a lot of good things going on down there and they opened their first game was against the las vegas lights which is coached by eric walalda and and see that's interesting because if you remember when scored 34 goals for the national team and was the all-time leading scorer until landon broke his record i can't well for sure there's never been a game coached by the, the the two former leading scorers in u.s national team history so um and i asked somebody about that i go uh wow, that's really fortunate. You know, what a quirk in the schedule to have this game, you know, it'll be the first game of, uh, of the USL season. It's going to be on national TV March 7th, and this will be great. And they said, do you really think that was a coincidence? <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, they jiggered their schedule a little bit to get Eric Ronaldo to bring Las Vegas to San Diego for that first game.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems like a, a an interesting matchup and, and sort of an interesting story to follow Landon. And one of the things we really wanted to talk about was the live show coming up on February 22nd. That's right. Uh, we've told you many times before 2.22 at 2 p.m. Uh, all of that basically stays the same. What we want to do is just shift that just about 15 minutes earlier. So think 2.22 at 2 p.m., uh, but then think one forty five p.m. so that way we can get everybody there. What's going to happen is uh, what we understand is that about 11 o'clock the doors will open at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, we know that uh, there then is a game that kicks off. I believe between Toronto and the Colorado Rapids. um, And that happens at 12 p.m. And then from 12 p.m., what we get is uh, basically that game going on. So at 1 o'clock, we're going to start showing up to the stage. And I should mention, uh, on the Connecta Plaza, uh, at the stage, so basically if you go to the concourse and you walk all the way towards the back, the far southeast corner, there's a stage on the back of one of the restaurants there, and they call that the Connecta Plaza. All right, And so that stage is where we're going to be set up. And if that changes, we'll let you know. But that's what you want to do and what you want to find. Uh, the live show starts at 1.45, so you're going to want to be there by then, but we're also going to do a COG meet and greet starting at about 1 where uh, you can meet select COG members, basically anybody who's available that early and can be there. Uh, So at 1 p.m. you can start that, and then our live show should start around 1.45, 1.50, and we'll take you all the way up to about 2.45 when the live show ends and the LA Galaxy kickoff against the Chicago Fire at 3 p.m.
2: You want me there
1: about 2.50 then? Yeah, I was going to say. 3.15 works? No. Um, Yeah. No, no. I mean, listen, lots of people have talked about, you know, getting getting a chance to meet everybody and say hi. So it'll be a little bit of a meetup before we even record, Kevin, which I think works uh, pretty well. But I don't know about you. I, I walked this. I saw where it as where it is. And I think it's, you know, pretty much the perfect spot uh, for everybody uh, to sort of join us there and and be part of uh, part of the show. So I'm well, looking forward to that.
2: I don't know about perfect. I mean, you can't see the field from there. Yeah. And there doesn't appear to be any beer within. Close proximity. Approx- beer? Approximately
1: like four steps behind the stage is where the beer is. Like, I don't know if we could be any closer to the beer without the beer actually being on us.
2: So four whole steps.
1: Yes, yes. It, it won't be far. So there's some picnic tables and some shade and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully we can see uh, everybody coming over there. But we really wanted to take this moment and say, please come, please show up. Um, you know, your support means a ton, but we'd really love to have your interaction there. We are planning to have uh, some special guests. And a lot of that depends on sort of who's available the day of. So it's not even something I can tease. Um, but we, oh, we I
2: can I can tease it.
1: Yeah. Who, who, who are you going to tease?
2: Well, there could be some Galaxy front office personnel. I
1: would, I would expect that that's probably the most possible one to, to show up, is a Galaxy front office personnel. But if you really want to tease, there's a possibility of getting some Galaxy players as well. It kind of depends on who's not playing in the game that will kick off about 15 minutes after we're done.
2: Yeah, it has to be guys who aren't in uniform.
1: Huh? Aren't in uniform. So, I, hey, listen, we'll make our request, We'll see what happens. But we want everybody there uh, certainly so that way you can show up and, and have some fun with us. Again, the last preseason game for the LA Galaxy, uh, which means something. You're going to get to see basically the, the team that will take on Houston. Maybe, maybe not. We'll, we'll, we'll check all that stuff.
2: Well, now if injured players talking to us, they're not going to take on. Well, they might take on Houston.
1: You never knows. know. You never. You can never tell. Uh, but anyway, so that's what we have. Well let's get to Kevin. Let's get to the the recap. Uh, let's talk about the scrimmage. Talk about the Galaxy's two one loss to Toronto FC. A game, a preseason game that saw a red card and one team play what short a man for uh, just shy of two thirds of the game. Um. So I don't know how much we can really take from this. Even Guillermo Barros Schelotto in the press conference afterwards was sort of like, you know, you don't really want to see what it's like to play ten v eleven. Uh, you'd like to see eleven v eleven. But having said that, he thought that they played better ten v eleven. than They did eleven v eleven.
2: Well, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. First of all, Greg Vanney, um, Toronto coach. I, 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 I'm not. I. We were told afterwards that if it's a gated game, which it was, meaning played uh, in a stadium where people had to pay to get in that all the rules apply. In other words, just, you know, you, you, a red card is a red card, you're expelled, those kind of things. Apparently there was unlimited substitutions, yes, right? So, yes. so what you know, what rules do you accept and which rules don't you accept? I mean, I think if Toronto had pushed it, um, they might have been able to get the, the officials to agree. I don't know if they would have been able to, but I, I don't understand what Toronto got, got out of that by playing with 10 men. I mean, it or playing 11 men against 10. It doesn't help them at all because now they're out of their their regular formation they're playing a different kind of soccer they're they're pushing for a goal rather than playing a full game um, I, I thought the Galaxy actually got a lot more out of it and the reason I say that is because at some point during the season they're going to have they're going to go down to 10 men you, you, you know, it's going to happen and I know that that Guillermo wasn't happy about it and he w- didn't really want to practice that in the preseason but he got a chance to do it and his players got a chance to do it and I think they looked really comfortable doing it and so when that happens during the regular season, I don't think they're going to panic. I think they should feel very, very confident um, that they can play that way. They gave up a goal at the very end of stoppage time. Not really a sloppy goal, but but not a great goal. I mean, I think it was one they probably should have stopped. And then they gave up a goal on a penalty kick. So essentially, they gave up one sloppy goal, uh, like you said, with about 58 minutes down a man. I think they should take a lot of confidence from that game.
1: Yeah, it seems that that is, that is sort of the, the route that everybody's going to focus on. I'll, I'll tell you. The red card in my mind, and I've seen people argue about this all over again, there's no stomp by Katai. This is, uh, Laurent Simon came in and sort of slid underneath Katai. Katai just stepped where he thought the ball was going to be. It turned out Simon was there, and he stepped on his leg. Yeah, it probably didn't feel great. Could it have been a yellow card? Sure, but there certainly wasn't anything reckless or or an intent to endanger anybody um, in that play. And so this is where you have to sit there and question the referee's motives in a game like this. In a game like this, you know that 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 you're trying to that this is just a preseason warm up that everybody's trying to iron out the kinks so as a referee you need to understand that if you give a red card you've ruined this entire event for both of those teams i mean you can say the galaxy took something out of it kevin which you're right but you know what the galaxy didn't get any of was their three star offensive players who all plan on being very important integral parts of this galaxy offense playing together because that didn't happen um, so, you know, whatever MLS needs to do, whatever anybody wants to sort of try to figure out, um, they, it needs to be better than this. If this is a preseason scrimmage, as it is, you need to understand. I don't care if you take a tie off. I mean, you can. First of all, you know, VAR was in use and so they actually took a look at this on VAR and they let it stand. I mean, if you're the VAR official, you even get a chance to help the referee out and be like, dude, it's a preseason game. Just give him a yellow card and say, you know, don't do that again. And Simon wasn't angry at Katai and Katai wasn't Acting like he tried to hurt Saman, they they went and they shook hands, and everybody was just sort of standing around. The only person who seemed upset about it was the referee, who then had to deal with Chicharito and Sasha Kleschen coming in and sort of saying, "Hey, guys, what you know? What what was the deal here?" Um, It was it was a wasted opportunity for me for a preseason game. It's a wasted opportunity for people who actually spent the money to come out to a preseason game um, and and watch it. And you don't want to see, you know, a 10 v. 11 game, Uh, not in the preseason, not whenever you want to see how a team is coming together.
2: Now, Galaxy 2 played on Saturday as well, correct?
1: No, not not before. It was the other it was the other two teams. Uh, It was Toronto. It wasn't Toronto. It was uh, Colorado and Chicago fire played before that
2: okay but and out on the track stadium there wasn't a galaxy two game
1: yeah yeah i'd have no idea couldn't tell you
2: i was uh, because it's interesting you talk about the officials and i'm not gonna pass judgment on on whether they were good or bad because and in, in, in any case these officials were not part of that decision it was the center referee but um there were three siblings that worked that game felicia marscal who is a um Uh, from Chula Vista she's part of a family of officials she actually worked games at the Women's World Cup in France this last summer Uh, she and her brothers Eduardo and Alejandro were uh, all referees in this Galaxy game Um, uh, Felicia worked one side uh, as an assistant referee Eduardo worked the other side um, Alejandro was the VA, one of the VAR officials. And when I met with them afterwards, they told me that their other brother, who was also an official, also worked the game. And I thought they said that he worked the Galaxy 2 game, which is why I was asking. But you're right. He may have worked that Chicago game. I hope they all carpooled up from Chula Vista together.
1: <laughs> it, it would make sense if you're all a family and do that. I've seen them and, and we've seen them officiate games before. Um, whether it's I think it's been preseason or some maybe U.S. Open Cup games or something like that, they're local, um, you know, semi-local. Let's put it that way. They're semi-local, um, and so you see them a lot in the preseason. I have nothing. it's just to me, it's it's just not it's not worth putting the whole thing together if you're going to play this game ten v eleven. Uh, despite the fact that I think the LA Galaxy actually played played pretty well. You said it. Guillermo said it. Some of the players said it as well, so uh, that's fine. Let me give you the lineup real quick as I remember it, because I just remembered that I forgot to sort of put it here, but uh, correct, Kevin, you can correct me whenever I'm wrong, I'm sure. Uh, starting at uh, at uh, goalkeeper was David Bingham. At right back was Julian Araujo. Now, Araujo was playing in place of what we thought was the injured Rolf Felcher, and we'll talk about Rolf Felcher here in a little bit and why he's not in the not country. injured. Yeah, yeah. Not ma- injured. Maybe not injured. Maybe just, you know, uh, well, anyway, we'll tell you about it. I don't want to skip around, but He was playing in place of Rolf Felcher. Uh, You had uh, Nick DePew playing in place of Daniel Stares. Daniel Stares apparently has an injury of some sort. Uh, Guillermo expected him to be back this week, uh, and uh, he said he expected both Rolf and Stares to be available for the next preseason game. That sort of depends on their recovery and how it goes. All right. Uh, next to uh, De- Nick Depew, who we're going to talk a whole bunch about, I'm sure, uh, was People Gonzalez, so People Gonzalez there. And then out at left back, uh, started was Danilo Acosta. Danny Acosta was out there at left back, and he certainly had an up-and-down game and, and left injured, and we can talk about that as well. Um, in the midfield, you had Sebastian Legette, uh, Sasha Kleshen and Joe Corona. Uh, and then if you look at sort of the 4-3-3, the top three, it was Christian Pavone, Chicharito, so Javier Hernandez gets his debut. And on the right side was Alexander Katai. That's how the LA Galaxy started. Uh, That's how they played most of the game until about the 70th plus minute right around the 78th minute actually felt like it was even later than that about 78 minutes uh where it looked like there was a big line change and and sort of people went around and, and sort of did some different okay, things
2: and, and that's what Guillermo said afterwards that his plan for his starters especially chicharito was about 70 to 75 minutes which is about where they should be at this point of this preseason
1: yeah it, it makes sense again we saw 60 minutes in that in the closed door scrimmage that was uh that was streamed um so you would expect 70 to 75 minutes which means that next week you should expect starters to go the full nine minutes. So uh, that's something that you want to watch and sort of keep an eye on. Um, so yeah, that's what we saw. So I mean, let's let's start with some of the the talking points here, Kevin. I think the first one and the biggest one is is you know Javier Hernandez and Chicharito uh, getting his 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 big debut uh, in front of the uh, the LA Galaxy. Sort of this point. Wearing the armband. We're wearing the captain. So there were a lot of people who were upset about that, Kevin.
2: Well, who would you you would you would have given it to? I mean, Jonathan's going to have it when the season starts, right? But in that lineup. I, I think he's the best choice.
1: Well, I mean, listen, I, we I think we even you know prognosticated this particular point is that we thought that you know Javier was going to be a vice captain of some sort. We we and figured he said
2: that after the game that he
1: was. Yeah, and so, confirmed that. And, and so you would expect that he would be. I would expect guys like Sebastian Legette to be a vice captain. I would expect guys like Dan to uh, to be a vice captain as well. Um, I would expect these guys to take the armband whenever Jonathan Dos Santos doesn't have it. But you're also talking about Jonathan Dos Santos, who plays 90 minutes almost every single game. This probably isn't a thing. So I had zero issues with, you know, Javier yeah, Hernandez wearing an armband.
2: The only other starter maybe that I would have given it to might have been Sasha. I, I understand that, yeah, Sebastian and, and then Bingham, you know, he's a veteran, but he's a goalie. He's not out there in the middle of the field. It, it, what you want, it, first of all, the... the Whoever you pick has to have the language proficiency, meaning if you have a referee who speaks English or Spanish, the captain has to be able to talk to him. And Javier is bilingual, so that's perfect. Uh, But then he also has the gravitas, he has the status to go up to an official. Um, Not that some of these other guys don't, but I think when the leading goal scorer in the history of the Mexican national team comes up to a referee, I, I think maybe that referee gives him a few more minutes and gives him a little bit more leeway to argue his point than he might somebody who doesn't have that status. I think Sasha probably has that status, Javier certainly does. Sebastian, maybe I, I'm not that totally convinced because he hasn't had the, the career those other two guys have. He will at some point. Um, so I had no problem with it. I thought it was a good decision. And and it, it's a guy you're paying a ton of money and he's the face of the franchise. Why? Why wouldn't you want him wearing the armband?
1: I mean, there's certainly and, and you can point to history showing that, you know, there was a uh, there was an uproar whenever David Bigham joined the L.A. or David Bigham, David Beckham joined the L.A. Galaxy and got the armband. I think this is a reaction still to that. Um, but this is—it seems like it's a totally different. Like, Jonathan Dos Santos is going to be the captain. Um, that has been all but confirmed this year. I don't think Jonathan said it, and I don't know the Guillermo said it, but we—we we basically everybody has has already understood that to be the case. Um, So Jonathan Dos Santos is going to be the L.A. Galaxy captain this year. As far as vice captains go, that's fine. Javier Hernandez can wear it, and I think I'm fine with that. Kevin, he has a lot of gravitas. Again, the only other person that I would probably lean to in this particular situation is Sebastian Lejet. Also has that bilingual um, sort of uh, feel to it. And I would say that, you know, Chicharito and, and, uh, and Sebastian can arm wrestle for it. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, as far as that goes so anyway so Chicharito gets that he doesn't score a goal Kevin Uh, he is a little you know I would say that uh, I think Larry was was keeping track and he didn't touch the ball until seven minutes into the into the game Um, he certainly had a slow burn to getting involved but he did have some good chances some chances that you'd probably expect him to make if this wasn't preseason and he wasn't just sort of getting used to his team Uh, for me it was a perfectly adequate debut and if he would have scored it would have been perfect and you could have said oh you know hey that guy gets a gets a nine out of ten on the rating, but you know it didn't happen. So I think you know you look at him as as sort of a, a good. It was a good start. Uh, he didn't get to combine uh, outside of the first thirty three minutes with Katai, uh, which they did have a great combo. Um, on, and Katai should have scored, uh, and then he was sent off a, a couple minutes later whenever Pavone and Katai switched sides. By the way, I thought about this, because uh, right before Katai got sent off, Christian Pavone uh, looked at him and said, hey, let's switch sides, and they were like, okay, so if Pavone doesn't say that, Katai probably stays on the field, right? So Yeah,
2: he was on the wrong side, and another thing with Javier is, I, I thought he tracked back pretty well on defense. He didn't go across the mid- midfield stripe, but he put in a lot of miles, um, you know, lost a shoe, um, was running all over the place uh, and did a pretty good job of harassing defenders and, and the Toronto goalkeeper when they were trying to, to start to play the ball out of the back end. And that's something we didn't see a lot last year. Um, I thought he really hustled. We'll see if that, it was just uh, sort of, uh, you know, attempt to show off a little bit in the first game or if that's something that he does, but in the past, he's tended to put in a lot of miles in a game, so I I think we're going to see a lot of running from him, even at 31.
1: Yeah, I I thought the work rate was great. Um, I thought some of his off-the-ball running was great. Um, The the one real good chance he had was a a pass from Pavone, and it was the understanding that Javier was on the back shoulder of a player and that he was going to cut to the front shoulder, and it was that back-and-forth and 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 back-and-forth, Kevin, that sort of unnerved that defender and made, uh, you know javier be able to catch that ball with his left foot and then a little bit off balance the shot um there was some great great saves by quentin westberg as well from from toronto so um you know you look at the other side david bingham had some good saves as well but uh for me like i said chicharito Uh, His debut, perfectly adequate. No problems with that. Um, You know, he doesn't get injured. He gets the time that he needed. Um, And so I I don't think you can, again, outside of scoring, um, that's really the only thing that I would really expect to to change. And the Galaxy playing down a man for most of that, you know, Chicharito's role is going to be limited in in terms of how they play. Um, So that's just that's just one of those things that when you go down a man, the forward is going to have those problems.
2: Well, you know, another thing I saw from him, too, and I'll go back to my controversial prediction that I I, feel, I still see him as with between 12 and 15 goals, but the team being much better with him because of that work rate that you talked about. But another thing that I noticed, I don't know if you picked up on this, some of those runs he was taking two defenders with him and was leaving space open, and the Galaxy didn't take advantage of that uh, to the extent that they're going to need to during the regular season. But if, if everybody is going to double-team – Uh, uh, Chicharito, when he starts to take those runs, if it's going to upset the defense, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for other players. And I see Pavone scoring a lot of goals. I see Katai scoring a lot of goals. I see a lot more goals coming from the midfield. Remember, uh, last year with Slatan scoring 30 goals, there was only one other player that scored more than three goals. Um, And and, and Tuna's no longer here. So I I think you're going to get a lot more production throughout the lineup this year. And, And part of it's because... Javier is going to take a lot of the attention of the opposing defenses opening things up for everybody else.
1: Yeah, certainly. And you talk about Christian Pavone and and goals. Uh, We have to talk about Christian Pavone's probably the goal of the year gets uh, wasted in preseason, as we were joking about many times. Uh, Christian Pavone picked up the ball inside his own half, dribbled past four players, broke three tackles, uh, went from the left middle of the field to the right side, uh, and then launched a right-footed shot after his, what, 50-yard run that he made? Um, Just maybe just a little shy of that. uh, Launched a shot from outside the box, probably about 25 yards, uh, and beat West berg over the top, uh, it was a sort of, you know, a, a, again, I, I think somebody got it right on on one of the social media sites and said, you know, if you saw this in, in the EPL, you would be sitting there. Oh, what a great goal. What a great player that is. And because it's MLS, everybody's saying, oh, well, the defense was horrible. Um, this was a this was a designated player for the LA Galaxy, Christian Pavone, doing what designated players are supposed to do, which is hoist this team on his back and score goals, especially after the red card to Katai You know, not too long before that. So um, this is a guy who is, is looking to make a difference this year, Kevin. This Christian Pavone is going to have to shoulder a lot more of the load than he did in you know his eleven games that he had last year, um, and he was still outstanding in those eleven games with I think three goals and eight assists um so he he played really well but he's going to be a goal scorer this year and i think the movement between him katai and uh chicharito are, is, is going to be something that's going to unnerve any defense in major league soccer uh but that doesn't mean that great players aren't playing and i think the galaxy have a front three that is uh that is going to scare a lot of people
2: well if you're going to put katai or if you're going to put excuse me if you're going to put pavone down and say oh that wasn't a EPL worthy goal. Remember, this guy is an Argentine World Cup player. He's a player that a lot of clubs in the EPL were interested in, and probably still are interested in. I mean, he's he's a very young player. Let's let let you know he's probably going to wind up in Europe at some point if he keeps playing like that. Um, one thing I thought about the goal though is is he had made such a long run and expended so much energy, as you said, avoiding those tackles, getting around those defenders. And he was well outside the box when he shot, and and it was a perfect shot. It went up and over the goalkeeper and then just under the bar it was a perfect shot but i kind of got the impression that the shot was like i am exhausted <laughs> i don't have the touch to lay this ball off you know when a lot of times after a run like that you to, to pull up and make a soft pass and hit somebody in stride it's almost impossible i kind of felt like the idea was i'm at the end of this run i've got to get rid of this ball and i can't lay it off to anybody because it's just going to go beyond the end line and so he struck it and uh perfect touch yeah, I it's mean, one of the best goals I've seen in person, by
1: the way. Yeah, it, it was, and and that's I don't think that's to diminish any of the skill in that. I mean, you know, he's running out of real estate in that direction that he was running. There are people who are going to close him down. There are sorts of things. the the best The thing that really happened here is Toronto gave laid off just a little bit enough, and I think that's what Pavone is going to thrive at uh, right now. I think that's really what you're going to see him uh, do is exploit the space that he's given, and whether that's passing or whether that is you know finishing goals. I I think that's really um you know the important part of Christian Pavone. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you look at somebody like Guillermo barros playing with two inverted wingers, and inverted in the sense that you have a Right-footed, you know, Pavone that plays on the left side, and a guy in Katai who can hit left-footed, playing on the right side, and the fact that they invert into the formation. So inside, so their runs on most occasions are going to be from outside in, um, and those runs going outside in move them towards the player that they just spent a whole bunch of money on, which is Chicharito. Um, the the movement of that. And the ability to switch sides and the ability to not have a rooted spot. You know, uh, Chicharito is going to patrol just at the top of that box and he's going to want the center of the field, but he knows how to open up space. So if he runs to the near post, expect somebody like Pavone to run in behind him. Uh, Expect somebody like Katai to run in behind him and run into that space. And I think you saw just a little bit of that. Uh, Again, being a smart striker, you go back to guys like Robbie Keane, who knew how to run when he needed to run, um, which was, you know, pulling players away from the ball. Um, So that way, there's space open for the ball. Uh, For the guy who has the ball, I mean, even in the, you know, Pavone case, Chicharito is moving counter to Pavone. So Chicharito is moving right to left as Pavone is moving left to right. And that's what you want to see. You want to see that rotation and that rotation, especially with three players, is hard to mark. Um, I I really think that there's going to be um, well, you know, there's people predicting right now and I've been watching it and I've sort of been saying, okay, we'll see, we'll see. Um, you know you talk about Chicharito's goals Kevin in terms of how many goals you think 12 to 15 sure that could be good but what you might not expect is that you might get you know 15 to 20 I think it's higher I actually think 15 to 20 is probably Chicharito's ceiling on there we're not too far off on the 15 so we say 15 Uh, but 15 to 20 for Chicharito if you can get 15 from Katai and 15 from Pavone uh, all of a sudden you're playing with fire and in fact I think they can score a lot more goals than that whenever you add in you know a 3 or a 4 from somebody like question or LeJet. Um, so I don't think this Galaxy team is going to suffer on offense. and I think that's one of the biggest sort of takeaways that we saw from this scrimmage is that they're going to have the chance to score a lot of goals, and it looks like they have the creativity to do that
2: okay but stopping goals is the problem and one of the things Dennis has talked about and and Guillermo too is you don't always just play defense with your defenders, it's a team game, you play team defense and one of the things that they're talking about is the formation and the way the formation works and so let's go back to what you were just talking about, we know is a poacher, we know that he spends a lot of his time in the box, he scores from inside the box so if you're an opposing defense you're going to have to have some some people and we talked about they were double teaming him, Toronto was, you're going to have to have a couple people, maybe your two center backs, maybe a center back and, a, and an outside back, following Chich- Chichorito around inside the box, so playing very deep. Okay, well, Pavone likes to score from distance, and by distance, I don't mean from 40 yards out, that's the Laton range, but I mean just outside the box. He'll. So you have Chichorito in the box, you have Pavone dangerous from just outside the box, You've already put two defenders on Chicharito. You got to put somebody on Pavone. You can't just leave him out there on his own. So now all of a sudden, opponents have to drop their midfielders back. All of a sudden, they got six, seven people right at uh, inside the box or at the top of the box. That's going to limit what they can do offensively, and I think that is part of the game plan, The more players the opposition has to use in defense to to guard against Pavone at the top of the box and Chicharito in the box, and then we f- forget about Katai and, and Legette and, and even Jonathan Dos Santos lurking around there. The more that the opposing teams have to drop those players back to defend, the fewer players they have going forward, and that's going to make your defense that much better because there's fewer opportunities for the other team to break out and get the ball going the other way.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, that's it. Now, now let's flip it. Let's go. Let's talk about the defense. Now we talked about the offense. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the midfield left me wanting uh, with Sasha Klishin in there and Sebastian Lejet. I, I mean, Lejet gets a somewhat passable grade. I would like to see more from Sasha Klishin, understanding that he's replacing Jonathan Dos Santos, understanding that those guys haven't worked together that much. So you want to see some progression in the midfield. I wasn't ecstatic about that. Um, but the guy who I was ecstatic about because he was fun to watch, six foot five, Nick Depew. And by the way, it is Depew. Um, that is how you say his last name. We were, we were officially told uh, what it is. So Nick Depew out there, six foot five, coming up from LA Galaxy 2, a guy who is, uh, was, was his, his sole task. Uh, for the, most of that game, Kevin was marking Josie Altador, one of the top American strikers in uh, in the game right now. Um, and granted, it's preseason, Josie Altador. I'm not going to pretend like this was a this was a, a you know a, a midseason game or a playoff game. Uh, but whenever you have a 25 year old like Nick Depew coming out there and having to mark against somebody like Josie Altador, you're asking them to do a lot of work. And Depew was more than up to that task. I think um, he was he was a revelation. He was fun to watch. He was he was big. He was physical he was certainly manning and, and putting his body on Josie Altador. Uh, there wasn't a lot of space given up he was good at stepping forward and making the right decision uh, you know I think they got caught once which was the goal at the end of the first half uh, that sort of saw Arajo and Depew sort of get caught up inside the box and it was uh, it wasn't great and and we have to point out that the Galaxy could have been down a couple goals early in this game because the defense wasn't great they were getting uh, Toronto was getting around the edges and getting balls back behind uh, defenders were forced to face David. David Bingham and David Bingham had a very good game, a very solid game. As a matter of fact, if David Bingham has this type of game in this season, I think that he'll be uh, he'll be more than than serviceable for the Galaxy this year.
2: I thought David Bingham had a really good game, and I did like DePew. And I thought he—the thing I liked about him is he wasn't intimidated. He didn't look like a guy who had just been called up from uh, Galaxy Two to play in MLS. He certainly didn't look like he was worried about going against Josie Altador. Right. Um, I liked the way he played. I liked the, his communication with his teammates. Again, I liked the aggressiveness. And I think back to a guy who. Maybe has a little bit of a different profile, but if you remember back into the Bruce Arena years when they drafted a defender named Tommy Meyer and they thought that he was going to be a really good player, a big physical guy as well. And I distinctly remember a game in San Jose where uh, Alan Gordon and some other players on the Earthquakes were really eating him up because he wasn't getting physical. And at one point, uh, Omar Gonzalez just uh, literally pushed him in the back and just said, "Go, you know, go out there and play." Um, he just felt like it. Just felt like he believed he didn't uh, belong on that field and, and i didn't get that at all from nick he definitely looked like he belonged and was trying to prove a point point. and you know we'll talk about this in a minute the galaxy is still looking for some center back depth but if if just based on one game i know it's very uh, small <laughs> sample size but right. if he continues to play like this This might be the guy they were looking for. He's going to to compete for some starting time if he continues to play
1: like that. Certainly depth, and and I think you know if you if you want to take a if you don't want to overreact to it, which again I I'm sort of with you, Kevin. I kind of want to overreact. Why couldn't he be a starter? Uh, One of those things. But if we don't want to overreact, you can say the Galaxy now have depth at that position. Even if they add another center back, this is a good kid in a good position that can really help the LA Galaxy on defense if and when there are injuries, um, you know, in that defensive core. Um, The other kid who was out there and we talk about kids uh, Julian Araujo out on the right back getting the start. We told you about that. I thought he was uh, playing with a confidence level. We did not see last year he was I said he was playing with like the international sort of uh, uh, thinking going on so the international game technically should be faster should be quicker and whenever guys go and play for national teams or even in training they come back and I always feel like their speed increases maybe that's me putting something on those guys but the speed of thought increases and I thought Julian Araujo and his speed of thought and his ability to make decisions and his ability to find holes and be in places and be part of the attack and also um, you know not be worried about going forward and coming back you know picking the right times to do that. I thought Arajo was uh was very, very good on the day. I, you know, certainly there's some stuff on the defensive side you could you could nitpick that they did score a goal, um, so you could look at that. Um, but all of those things for me, Julian Arajo checked off as Kevin, this is another guy who I if he continues the way that he is right now, could very well be pushing Rolf Felcher to the bench.
2: Yeah, a lot of confidence for him too and, and Jason Christ who's the coach of the USU twenty three team, which is the Olympic Qualifying team, Olympic qualifying tournament is in March in Guadalajara. That's a team that Julian Araujo wants to play for. Jason Christ was in attendance, was in the Galaxy box with Dennis Tacosa and and Yovan Kurowski and and Chris Klein watching the game and I, you know, looking at the rosters of those two teams, I think Julian Araujo was one guy that he definitely came to see. Uh, so maybe Julian did himself. Uh, you know, some service uh, by playing so well. But when you talk about his speed, one thing I wanted to point out is, is, yeah, the speed of thought definitely has changed and he does have a lot more confidence. There were some things that happened to him last summer, being left off the U-20 team for the U-20 World Cup, then being added to the team and sent to Poland and then not playing. Uh, his mom has told me that that really bothered him and, and there was sort of a renewed um uh, dedication to, to getting this right and to not letting um, the situation pass and these opportunities pass. So I, I think he does sort of have, um, you know, new dedication or, or uh, you know, he newly new goals, I guess, is the best thing to say. There's some more things that he wants to accomplish. He is certainly, and this is great, too. I mean, here's a kid as a teenager. He's playing for the L.A. Galaxy and he's playing for youth national teams. But he's not satisfied with that. He wants to get better. And uh, you can see that. But when you talk about the speed of thought and, and what you think that perhaps is speed of foot too, Christy Rampone, when she played with the U.S. national the women's national team, when she was getting very old, she was, I think, 38 at the time we had this conversation. I told her, man, you were really fast for a 38 year old. And she said, no, actually, I'm not. But what happens is the more you play and the more confident you get the more you learn about positioning and so all of a sudden instead of having to make a 30 yard run or a 35 yard run you're only making a 15 or 20 yard run because you're in the right position therefore you look like you're going a lot faster because you don't have to go that far you if you kind of follow that the fatigue doesn't play a part in that because you're making short runs instead of longer runs And I think maybe Julian learned a little bit of that too he's finding the position to be in so that when he does have to run it's a short spurt and he looks very fast as opposed to a long looping stride when he's trying to catch somebody from
1: behind. Yeah, I thought I thought one of the the sort of downsides to him and his quickness uh, was that he actually got in the way of what I thought was going to be a, a sure goal as a, as a cutback. Uh, Chicharito actually went in and tried to cut the ball back uh, and and there here comes Araujo through this spot which he was I think it's the right spot because I think he had opened space by making the run, but it was just unfortunate timing and he actually cut the ball out from its intended. uh, Who I think maybe was Pavone who was creeping into the top of the box or LeJet who was creeping at the top of the box. So, um, you know, all things. So, I mean.
2: But that's something he'll learn because one thing with wingers who are aggressive like, like he is, and even center backs that push forward, when you push up, you bring a defender with you. So. Uh, if, if he thought he was in position to help offensively, he had a defender with him, which actually detracts from the offense. And when when you got guys like Chicharito and Pavone up there, the thing you want to do is give them space to operate. And uh, I know the play you're talking about, and I'm not sure that, that this is necessarily relevant to that, but that's something that Araujo is going to learn, is if you push in and you bring that defender with you, are you in position to help the offense, or are you just clogging up the box a little bit? And th- and that's one of these things that he's going to learn as well.
1: Yeah, it, it was all, again, so, I mean, you, you sort of look at this game and say, you know, how do you judge it? Um, I think you look at, you know, David Bingham's goalkeeper kit and say, you know, it looked it looked pretty sexy. Like um, Barney. He was Barney. It, he was Barney. What, what, was, what were some of the other ones? The Joker? Um, it was purple and green, but it was like, you know, um, what is that a neon purple? Do you call that neon purple? It kind of feels like it. I
2: call it ugly purple, actually.
1: Like, man, I liked it. I, I think a lot well, of people, I-, I think a lot of people were either, either you, you didn't like it and you called it Barney or you did like it and you called it Joker or, you know, something else. But anyway, I thought that was good. But like that, I think the galaxy had a perfectly good preseason scrimmage as good as you can get whenever you're not playing 11 v 11 for 90 minutes. So, um, you know, hey, I, I think those are all steps forward. So, I mean, what do you look for in the, this next week on Saturday? Um, you know, you look for the, the steps forward in all those areas where um, you didn't succeed. And I think, uh, you know, Javier Hernandez came into the press conference afterwards, Kevin, uh, and, you know, the most positive guy, it, it's hysterical because he's the most positive guy I think I've ever heard. It was just positive, 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 positive out of him uh, and talking about how he was going to get better. How, they, yeah, they did a lot of good things and they they were pretty happy with that, but they had a lot of things to work on. I mean, it's pretty much it's a lot of players speak, but he speaks it with a passion.
2: Well, I, what I'm looking for next week is to see some of these pairings. OK, I, I don't believe Jonathan's going to play. I don't. I think he's doubtful for the opener. Uh, as well so uh, that's not really a concern if he doesn't play in the last preseason game and doesn't play in the opener that's a wash whoever plays in those two you know whoever plays on saturday in his place will probably start in the opener so that's good but i mean if you're going to have people in stairs if those are your starting center backs i want to see that combination on the field if felcher is your starting outside back instead of arajo i want to see him on the field this is the last dress rehearsal and there's still some chemistry things especially those defensive pairings and the communication that need to get right. Um, and if Felcher's not going to be back, or if Asteris isn't healthy, then I think you really may have to start thinking about, well, whoever we play in this last preseason game, especially if that was the combination they used against Toronto, maybe that's the combination you you take going forward, because you don't want to have any opening day jitters and guys still trying to figure out Um, You know, runs. There's a lot of new players in the field, and Chicharito being the focus of a lot of the Pavone only played what eleven games last season. He's new, right? So there's a lot of this stuff that needs to be figured out, and this is the last time to get that right.
1: Yeah, Uh, you were mentioning Rolf Felcher, so let's talk about why Ralph Felcher is in Naples, Italy. Um, I was. I, I he likes the food. He like. I was gonna say he's a big fan of pizza. Uh, he digs it. He wanted the credit card miles uh, was another reason. Uh, so what I was initially told because Felcher posted an Instagram post that said I'm in Naples, Italy, and then everybody's like, Why is Felcher in Italy? Especially whenever I guess he was either injured or and he still could be injured in Italy. I guess that could be a thing that still happens, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, but Rolf Felcher is in Naples, Italy. Uh, I was told that it was a visa issue, so I assumed it was you know him working on a P1 visa for whatever reason, you have to go out of the country and you have to come back. And we talked a whole bunch about that with Javier Hernandez last week, Kevin, in terms of, you know, just the hoops you have to jump through and not always going to the place that is the closest is the place that is fastest. Um, and I also think somebody said that they thought maybe Rolf did have a connection to Italy uh, in terms of a passport or possibly some relatives that live there. I don't know that whole thing because we know he's Swiss born and as uh, Venezuelan uh, roots, right? so um, I think his dad is was Venezuelan, which is why he plays for the Venezuelan national team. So, Raul Felcher is in Naples, Italy. So, like I said, I was told it was a visa issue. Um, I was then updated and said it could also be a green card. And this is something I think you and I and anybody else who has been talking on the show have really been harping on, is why are the LA Galaxy not getting green cards for some of these guys? And the prime, number one prime example would be Jonathan Dos Santos. Why does Jonathan Dos Santos not have a green card right now, eliminating him from taking up an international slot? But If Rolf Felcher is indeed getting a green card, which seems to be indicated right now, his value, he makes two hundred and forty two thousand dollars a year. Um, which I think is a reasonable amount of money, Um, his value shoots way up as a domestic player and not an international player. Um, It makes a whole big difference to the LA Galaxy and how they construct a roster whenever you count Felcher as domestic and you don't have to worry about he's one of the eight slots. And as we've talked about many times, currently right now with Felcher as one of them, the LA Galaxy have eight of eight international slots taken up and you can go out and buy more if you want to, Um, but those are getting increasingly more and more expensive. So, Rolf Felcher getting a green card would be a big roster move for the LA Galaxy this offseason. That sort of can't be understated on that. Well, and we're going to talk in
2: a minute about Alan Franco, who would need an international slot if he came in. We got Didi Treori down, right, still with Galaxy 2. He might get called up at any time or be needed for depth. So they do need to solve that that problem. And and you're right about Jonathan. Here's a guy who has said repeatedly, I want to finish my career with the L.A. Galaxy. Well, guess what, Jonathan? The L.A. Galaxy plays in the United States. Why don't you get a green card if you're not going anywhere? Um, And, you know post-playing career. I mean, you have the right to stay in the United States legally and and work here and and, uh, do all kinds of things that you can't do without a green card. I mean, that's worth its weight in gold as well. So um, I I don't see any reason not to do it for him. As far as the visa thing goes, um, I remember last year, there are all kinds of different uh, kinds of visas and passports that these guys have. Uh, if you're in Italy, I think um, a, a couple of players uh, over the last few years have come to the Galaxy from Italy or had Italian passports for some reason. and. There is a different status that some of those go through. You have Euro passports. Then you have a lot of these guys with South American passports. What I was told by one of the administrative people with the Galaxy is a lot of times, as you said, it's not the closest place. It's not like send Javier Hernandez down to Tijuana and and take care of it there. It's where you can get an appointment, Where the type of visa that you have or the type of passport that you have and the type of visa you're looking for – Um, Only certain places do those. I'd say all that to tell you that last year, Diego Polenta had to go to Canada and actually stay in Vancouver for a couple of days because that was the U.S. embassy outside of the U.S where they had appointments, where they handled the type of documentation that he needed to get done. So it had nothing. He had absolutely no ties to Canada whatsoever. But that office in Canada could handle what he needed to get done. And so um, whatever is going on with Rolf, if indeed he's taking care of immigration issues, they decided that the, the, the U.S. consulate or embassy in in Italy was the best place in Naples was the best place for him to go to do that.
0: Yeah, which is which
1: is kind of funny. Hey, it's a world game. That's how it works. So anyway, we'll update you on that if uh, if we get any word one way or the other. All right. This one is all Kevin. Uh, and certainly we got, Uh-oh. yeah, Uh-oh. I know it's not good. <laughs> no, not no, good no, it is. Cause you have the information. We talked about this. Um, this is, this is one of those things I immediately started getting, you know, DMS about as soon as there, so, there was sort of any hints of this happening. Um, now that some people may know this name, some people may not know this name, but Kobe Hernandez foster, uh, is a 17 17- wears
2: number 24 on his back and number eight on his
1: front, by the way. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes some sense. Um, he is a 17 year old standout with the LA galaxy Academy. Uh, This is a guy who has been highly touted most of his career as, you know, one of the next big up and coming, uh, LA galaxy players that goes along with like, you know, uh, Mendez and Yanez and, and a bunch of other guys who have sort of been talked about Arajo and Efrain Alvarez. Um, all these guys have sort of been mentioned in this same sort of group of standouts that are coming through. And so Kobe Hernandez foster, uh, whenever the rumors sort of came out that he was going to Wolfsburg in Germany, um, you know, I got started getting text messages saying, Hey, you know, the galaxy missed on another player. Um, um, I think the answer is yes, but also there's some caveats in that. So, Kevin, I know you talked to uh, to some people and figured some of this stuff out, right?
2: No, actually, he wears number 54 for Galaxy Two. But yes, I did. He has or 23 caps with the US U17 national team, played in the World Cup last year in Brazil. Um, made his debut for Galaxy Two when he was just 16. Um, but what had happened is he told apparently. Um, Remember Wolfsburg pops up that name all of a sudden gets your attention because that's where where has wound up. He's playing for the U 19s there. And, and he just scored his first goal for the U S national team last month. in that friendly at, at uh, well, actually February 1st, the friendly at, at dignity health sports park. But to, to talk about Kobe Hernandez foster, he came to the galaxy and to Dennis Declosa during the summer and said, look, I want to explore opportunities somewhere else. Um, uh, they, Parted ways, and a very they have a very good relationship. Dennis said there was no hard feelings that he that Kobe told them that he and his family and his agent wanted to explore possibilities in Germany. It was with Wolfsburg, and Dennis said that they actually have a very good relationship with Wolfsburg, and that this act that losing Kobe Hernandez Foster is not necessarily just a one way street. He could always come back, but that if he succeeds in Wolfsburg, even at the youth level, there are some contractual. Uh, stipulations that the galaxy will benefit whether it's money players I don't know exactly what it is Dennis wouldn't go into detail in fact he said I cannot go into detail but he says I'll tell you that if he makes an impact there it will be very beneficial to the galaxy they're very happy with that and they wish him all the best um, and uh, that to me also suggests that perhaps Yulianes and and you were one that were talking about this earlier that it looked like Dennis mended some fences with Yulianes when he came in if you remember he sent him a galaxy kit. Um, Yan has always talked about it. he didn't think he got a chance to play for the Galaxy first team. So Dennett, one of the first things he did is send him a first team kit with his name and number on the back. So I, I think there's been some fence mending going on there. This is a good thing. If Wolfsburg winds up being a place where some of these young players can go and get better competition, competition they can't get from Galaxy 2 and USL, um, this may all work to the Galaxy's benefit. Dennis certainly thinks it will, and said that it's it's to their benefit that this player leave the Galaxy Academy and go play well in Germany.
1: Yeah, which uh, you know, at least in my mind, if we get to prognosticate there, Kevin seems like you know there's some there's some payments that will be due the LA Galaxy if in case if indeed that is the ha- the fact, and we we've, we've talked about the solidarity payments I think before on podcasts and sort of how lower league teams get paid, and so in this case the LA Galaxy um, where the developers and the academy and the developers of this player, you know, throughout their system. And so they might be due some money if indeed that happens. And, um, you know, we talked about and and scoring for the U.S. men's national team. And I've said, you know, this is always the place where he can come back if that ever, if he ever decides that he wants to come back to the United States, you know, the LA Galaxy seems like a place where he'd want to go. The same sort of goes uh, for Kobe Hernandez Foster as well. I I think the relationship is good enough that if he wanted to come back to LA, if he wanted to come back to the Galaxy, that he could do that, Kevin. And I I think that's, that's a success in terms of how the Academy has changed and has been managed right now. I think you have to give that a success to the LA Galaxy. I think you have to tip the hat that if there is some financial financial um you know some financial stuff that comes the la galaxy's way that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in terms of developing those players ultimately you'd like to see them i think kevin play on the senior team for the la galaxy but there are only 11 starting spots in every single day and we've seen many times that young talent it's difficult to break through a lot of times in in major league soccer uh especially Yeah. yeah yeah
2: Well, and what this is, is it's a safety valve. It's saying, look, you know, you you're a forward. We just signed Chicharito. We got all these guys. You know, the chances of you at 18 getting to play here anytime soon, probably not real good. Hey, you want to go to Germany? That's awesome. We'll try to help make that happen. What they're telling these players is, look, if you come here, put in a you know good work, work hard, establish yourself, and there's no spot for you at the Galaxy, or it looks like it may be a while. We'll find a place for you to play. That's all these kids want. Uh, you know, these kids want. I think probably all of them would prefer to stay home at their age as teenagers, stay home and play in front of their family and their parents and friends. But if, if it's not going to happen here and Germany comes calling and they're offering a lot of money and a chance for advancement and a chance to make a, a better career, yeah, why not give those kids a chance to go do that? And and now there's other kids at the Academy going, hey, you know what? I don't think I can make the Galaxy, but maybe I can go play somewhere else. And the Galaxy is going to help me do that. It's, it's all to the good.
1: Yeah, it seems to be, at least in this case, that those are positive. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about Kobe Hernandez-Foster. We'll sort of keep an eye on it and see what happens. And then if anything happens, we'll tell you more about it. Uh, let's get, before we're done with this uh, particular show, Kevin, we have to get to the LA Galaxy rumors and the uh, the rumor around Alan Franco, uh, the 23-year-old center back out of Independiente down in the Argentinian League. Um, this is uh, an ongoing sort of, I, I guess I'm going to call it a saga, um, but you know it's it seems like it's coming to a point I know there's lots of reports saying a deal is done I'll tell you as of course I usually am the guy who tells you until something's signed it's not done uh, and I would certainly say that it doesn't seem like anything has been signed um, but there have been multiple levels of agreements according to at least a couple sources uh, that I've talked to we talked about on Thursday night you know John Rojas uh, who used to cover the LA Galaxy here on the west coast is now on the east coast how an excellent job that he's been keeping us informed so he's been Uh, you know updating us almost every day and I've been retweeting that out on Twitter Uh, the problem is there's so many different sources of information coming in about this that it's sort of tough to filter through some of them so I have been a little quiet on the rumor tracker just trying to, to go through this stuff so uh, we're going to go down a rabbit hole, Kevin. If you're if you're okay with going down a rabbit hole, uh,
2: yeah, I like I like rabbits. Oh, oh by the way, the, the galaxy say officially nothing's been done yet, you, which means something's probably
1: done. <laughs> you never know. Um, so so that's so let's go down this. Um, what we heard this morning and from last night into this morning, and I know a lot of people saying the deal is done. You know, from last night to this morning, there has actually seemed a, a strong contingent of uh, the owner from Independiente uh, trying to pull out of this deal. Uh, One of the reasons that they thought about pulling out of this deal was that whenever they sold Fadal, who was, I think, another defender to Miami, they got some money from that. And so all of a sudden the ownership is like, nah, we got money. We're good. We're we're fine. We don't need to sell um, Franco as well. But they had already agreed, uh, according to at least one source, they had already agreed to to have this deal uh, verbally and so everybody had already shaken hands and the coach had basically said I don't want you to leave you know Alan Franco but if you do leave that's okay he he goes I won't stand in your way basically I don't want you to go but if you want to go I won't stand in your way and everybody agreed to that and we saw that Jovan Karofsky from his Instagram post showed that he was down in Argentina so the timeline's all starting to sort of you know come together and understand that Uh, Kevin the interesting thing is uh, as I'm told and again John Rojas provided. A lot of background to me on this because I am not uh, very familiar with uh, Independiente and, and who they are and where they play and sort of who their ownership is. But Kevin, apparently the owner of this team is actually in charge of the truckers union. Um, and so there are there have been um, people upset at the way that he's been running the team, thinking that money from the truckers union is actually going in to running the team. And so they operate this team at a loss and they spend money and it doesn't matter because the truckers union sort of backing Independiente, which is is sort of an interesting uh, little twist to all this. So it sounded like Independiente almost pulled the offer. But I'm told that Franco actually said, wait a minute, we had a uh, we had a deal. We had this verbal deal. I'm not playing if you want me, if you don't want to do this deal. I'm done. Um, and John Rojas has told me that apparently in South America, that's pretty common for for players to pull that. Yeah, they um, just
2: say, truck you.
1: Yeah, that's I guarantee that's, that it'll get flagged for something, that this podcast will get flagged for something, even though that was perfectly rated G, Kevin. So I appreciate that. The Um, Trekkers Union, The Trekkers Union, I got it. Put that together, yeah. I got it, everybody got it, it was perfect. Um, But no, I mean, so this is one of those things that you sort of have to keep an eye on as it is. Now, what I'm told is that that stand by Alan Franco seems to have actually worked. Uh, The plan right now, although nothing has been, is done, quote unquote, is that Franco would play through the rest of their season, which is basically it ends on March 8th. Um, so the Galaxy opened on February 29th against Houston. Um, I think their home opener is on March 7th um, that following week. So Franco would then play through, with Independiente through March 8th. Now, Kevin, I'm about to tell you some some numbers and stuff that are more detailed than anything anybody has ever wanted or, want, or ever wanted to talk about contracts. And the only reason I'm going to do this is because I want to highlight the... The lengths that Dennis complexity, get the complexity, and not only that, but the lengths to which Dennis Teclosa is manipulating the salary cap. Um, and in in ways to use that correctly. Now, uh, the offer is apparently $3.5 million for 50%. That values the player at twice the $3.5 million, which is $7 million, right? We all understand that if you get 50% of the player and you pay $3.5 million, that you're saying this player is worth $7 million. Okay, cool. Everybody understands that. Um, here is the galaxy apparently are going to pay for this in four installments all right, And take this all with a grain of salt, by the way, but I wanted to, to highlight this. So apparently the Galaxy will pay in four installments. If during the four years of the contract, and everybody's sort of reporting it's a four-year contract, if during that four years of the contract, Kevin, the LA Galaxy rejects any offer for $7 million or more, the Galaxy would have to pay Independiente $2.5 million for the other 50% of the rights. So if we add $2.5 million to $3.5 we get $6 million, which means... The Independiente is actually okay with valuing the player at $6 million, which is sort of the numbers that we said made a whole bunch of sense. So the $3.5 million times 2 says $7 million, but the buyout of the other 50% is actually $2.5 million, which is $6 million, okay? Again, complexity is there. Uh, if the player is sold, um, if the LA Galaxy sell uh, Franco, uh, then they split that money 50-50 because it's 50% of a stake, okay? If after four years the Galaxy wanted to extend the contract, they pay... Two point five million dollars again. All right, so there's a penalty in here, um, you know, in terms of the initial investment by the LA Galaxy at three point five million dollars, but the overall cost of the player, if they ever wanted to buy the fifty percent of the rights, seems to be at the six million dollar range. So that's not out so far outside of the the realm of possibility. But all of this goes to show you that uh, Dennis de is trying to sign a center back who is worth between six and seven million dollars and not have him be a designated player. And that is an excellent way to get players on your team uh, to manipulate that salary cap. Did, did, I, did anybody fall asleep on that?
2: You lost me when you said we're going to talk about a lot of numbers. That was the <laughs> last part I understood. But I will tell you that Dennis and I talked about this on the phone on Friday. We talked about Franco and and, and contracts and, and all that. Uh, and he did say that he was trying to get Franco. He said they've been scouting him for a long time. They really like him and somebody that they really want. But he also talked about how last year they signed, if you remember, they had Antuna and uh, Fabio Alvarez that came here on loans. And he said, loans are great for short term. You can get a guy in. You don't have to pay the DP stuff. You don't pay transfer fees. You can get him in. He said, but you have no control over them. It's a very short term thing. And Dennis said, we are trying to build a long term roster. We're trying to find long term solutions. We don't want to be doing this every year. And so, when you look at what he did with Christian Pavone, he kind of got him in under a loan, and then the Galaxy were able to to, to take over his contract um, or had the option to. And that's what this sounds like. It's almost a loan, but it's not a loan because um, the Galaxy are taking you know some financial responsibility and risk here. Um, and the idea that it's a four-year contract again says to you know Dennis, as Dennis has said, we want some long-term. Projections here. We want to know what we have going forward. So, the way that they're manipulating the system, if you want to use that term, it looks like a loan, but it's not a loan because the galaxy, you know, have some options going forward. They don't have to give the player back. Um, it, it looks good all the way around. But one thing that Dennis did say is that you a lot of times you have to be patient. He said if this is a guy that we really want, and we have to wait until mid March or early April to get him. We're going to wait because it's a guy we re- we want him four years from now. We don't want him four months from now. So we're not going to give up on this guy and sign another guy just because he's available and have him that guy be a bust. This is the guy that we've identified. This is the guy that we want. We're going to wait for him. And then he further added the same thing that you were talking about is a lot of times a team is willing to give somebody up, but they're in their own tournament as Independiente is right now. They're, they have their own games, and the uh, the transfer windows around the world are closed. Right. And so they can't get a replacement. This is a guy who is a first-team center back uh, for a very important team in Argentina and they can't replace him so they're not going to give this guy up to help Dennis Dennis may be a nice guy and they love him they're not going to give him up to help them and then lose their last six games of the season or whatever it is because they don't have a suitable replacement so Dennis you know it was making the point that it is a delicate balancing act you can't just think about your own needs you have to think about through the other team's eyes, too, and say, what can I do to help you solve your situation so we can all move forward here? But it does sound like the Dennis has played this one uh, well. I don't know that he's quite in the Bruce Arena school yet of manipulating <laughs> all these MLS rules, but seems to be moving in that direction, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, it, it does. It absolutely does. So we'll see if any of that pans out and actually is true. Um, again, a, a lot of that stuff could, could be fudged one way or the other. <laughs> Could you go over with all that number stuff again? No, no, we're done. No, we're, we're done. But we do have some uh, some breaking news. At least some breaking pod. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is this is not a good one um, for LA Galaxy fans. We talked about Danny Acosta coming out of the game, Kevin. Uh, we talked about him be looking fairly injured. You even said that, you know, the yeah, injury looked, looked really bad. Yep, Danny Acosta just posted on uh, on Instagram. He says, today I received bad news that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. I'm disappointed to say that I suffered an ACL injury this past weekend and will be missing out on the sport I love. The most everything happens for a reason, but I will come back even stronger than ever. So Danny Acosta certainly seems like uh, he could be out for the season for the LA Galaxy with an ACL injury, certainly out for an extended period of time um, for that. And that was the depth that left back that that was looked so much better with Emiliano and Sua supposed to be the starter there. Danny Acosta, Danilo Acosta coming in and being that that depth there. Um, And now he's out for, you know, a considerable amount of time right now.
2: Well, and think about him too. Think about the player. Here's a guy who came to the Galaxy, was definitely going to get some playing time with somebody that they looked at as being very important. Getting a a chance he didn't get really in other places. Um, at, you know, it's got to be devastating to his career at the the place where he is right now. He really can't afford to. On the shelf for another year, and the galaxy are going to move forward. They're going to replace him, and when he comes back next year, that's one more person he has to climb over to get his job back.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a tough blow. I really liked seeing him and and the way he played. I thought he was he was more than serviceable and a good you know depth piece. Um, so yeah, uh, that looks like that's but, uh, that's end. But
2: remember, he went down early in the first half. He went down the second time. That knee was already wrapped. It had a um one of those uh, elastic bandages on it uh, uh, above the knee and down to the knee. So there was some weakness there already um, whether this had anything to do with that I mean it certainly looks like that's probable um, but it it, when he went down and the way he was reacting the fact that the knee was already wrapped it just didn't look good from the start.
1: Yeah I think they wrapped it after the first injury and so whatever it was like you said that was was not a good, good deal and uh, I don't know. It is. It is. I, you know, I don't necessarily like to raise these questions, Kevin, but I think you have to raise the question. Um, right now, I tend to be pretty dismissive of this particular train of thought. Uh, but in my mind, uh, you know, you have to ask the question of, you know, is, is Valdecantos, is, is Javier Valdecantos putting too much pressure on these guys in preseason. I mean, we've seen a lot of injuries. We know Starras is not 100%. We know Emiliano and Sue is not 100%. Jonathan Dos Santos is not 100%. Uh, there's a possibility that Rolf Felcher is not 100%. Um, you get a, a Danny Acosta now who has a severe injury and is out. Um, it's it's always a question. Again, I tend to dismiss it. I usually say these things happen. I, I don't.
2: I don't. I, I, I think there's a definite connection. We didn't see these. I mean, look at... Uh, Roman Alessandrini, I mean, he was a workhorse his first, at least his first year, first year and a half, and then all of a sudden he's, he misses almost the entire season, year with injuries yeah, two but, injuries.
1: yeah, but he was injured even whenever he came from Marseille, he had a history of knee injuries and different problems. So you can't say that that originated with the LA Galaxy. No, um, but I don't think it was helped. Well, I mean, you know, but also playing on a knee that has already been repaired multiple times is also not helping uh, at any point. So, I, again, you can, you can bring up the, Alessandrini to me doesn't prove that point. Um, I will say that you know I remember when Colonel Nolfo came in, uh, Kevin, and I, I talked to the players, and the players were talking about how rough his preseason was, um, and I don't think that even paled in comparison to what it was. I think these guys are being pressed. I think they're being pressed really hard. I think that part of Javier Valdecantos and what he does is to break these guys down in the preseason, um, and is to really you know get their bodies on the edge, and I think it's easy to go over that edge. Um, I don't know that there's any blame that you can point there but certainly whenever you see these types of injuries um and just even the little nagging injuries that that players get uh you wonder if it's doing more good uh than bad and
2: a couple a couple things last year he talked about how today's players are not like the players of yesteryear you know he's 70 something when he started um you know he started doing this a long time ago and he's adapted he'll talk a, a good game about um you know some of the new methods and some of the electronic gadgets he has and some ways of measuring and monitoring people and he's definitely, he he's definitely fluent in that kind of stuff. But he also did talk a lot about the players' personalities and and how they were hungrier back in the day and they were tougher players back in the day. I don't know whether all that's true. You hear, but when I hear that, my first thought is. You know he's kind of got a message that he wants to deliver, and you you wonder if he's punishing some of these guys just to prove they're not as tough as the guys in the in the old days. Look, these guys run a 10k, uh, you know, every time they play a game, most of them. So he's training them to run a a 10k, but it's not a 10k. It's not a race. It's it's a soccer game, and there are other things that they need to do. I'm just not convinced that uh, you know I want these guys to be fit too, and and I think in the past we have seen guys that weren't fit but just because you can run a 10K in under 30 minutes doesn't mean you're a good soccer
1: player. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, It's just interesting. Again, it's something we'll have to watch, but uh, Danny Acosta out for the foreseeable future and the depth at left back gets a little bit less deep uh, I guess you could say uh, I was going to say less depthy. Uh, it's shallower. It's shallower. <laughs> it's like, it, you
2: do the numbers. I'll do the words. That's, okay, that,
1: that's probably a good idea. Um, Didi Choua is a possible backup there, but again, we talked about the international slot yep, and the, the ability, slot. and and having he's currently counted on the eight of eight slots. So uh, moving him down or keeping him there doesn't kill anything, especially if Ralph Felcher gets it and then you bring in an Alan Franco. It's then eight of eight again, and everybody's roster compliant. Um, but uh, Didi Choua is the backup there, and apparently he was not. 100% either, if I remember, um, because I asked where Traore was for the scrimmage, and that's what I was told as well. So, uh, hey, listen, that's normal in preseason. I would expect that there to be little knocks, little little stuff that's bothering people. Um, it's whenever it develops into these larger things like Danny Acosta, and I'd, I'd point out, you know, Paul Areola over at DC United uh, didn't have anything to do with Javier Valdecantos this year, uh, and he tore, I believe, partially torn ACL um for dc united then we'll miss uh, a good portion of the year for them as well so um yeah it happens uh these things happen and these uh injuries happen i just think the la galaxy fans are starting to feel like they're happening a lot more often uh, than they were in the past so uh again something to keep an eye on and we'll give you any updates on uh on any of the injuries whenever we can uh i think that about does it kevin i think we're good right
2: well, we're better than Daniel Costa unfortunately, for him.
1: Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a fun way to end the show. Uh, I will tell you this. We will have a live show coming up on Thursday. I believe Sophie DeCan and Nicolau in studio uh, for Eric, the Portuguese Hammer, who is still uh, out. I think he's doing parenting things. How dare he? Um, you're supposed to just ignore your children like I do. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, but no, so, so maybe
2: Valdecantos has him doing stuff with his kids. Very like well, very well running or something.
1: Wind sprints uh, up and down the bleachers. So anyway, uh, Sophie will be in on Thursday and then again, live show live show on Saturday, 222 145 p.m. at the Connecta Plaza there on the backside southeast of Part of the stadium. Get your tickets. Get in. Get there at one. We'll see you at one. Live show starts around one forty-five, and we'll continue basically up until they make a stop because there's going to be a kickoff for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, we
2: come at one o'clock. We we want to see you all. Valdecantos will be will be out there putting all of us through our paces. We're going to be doing wind sprints <laughs> and all kinds of exercises, and you, you'll really want to see that.
1: Yep, yep. Bring your running shoes. Right. That's that's what you should do. That's it. that's how it is. All right. Uh, okay. I think that about does it. Then, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at KBaxter11 and of course over at LATimes.com where all of Kevin's wonderful articles are posted. So check out Kevin as he covers soccer in Southern California and around the United States. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGESMAN, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N and of course at Galaxy Podcast cornerthegalaxy.com we had a great recap video from Dignity Health Sports Park with The Hammer and I. So check that out on our YouTube page. Subscribe on our YouTube page. Like our YouTube page. Uh, write reviews on all of our Podcast, Go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. If you give us a really good one and it's funny, I'll read it on the air. Why not? We can do that. We can steal what other people do and and do that on here. I'll do that. No problem. So anyway, I think that about does it for uh, Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pacho-Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com.
0: Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at galaxypodcast.com.